0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. You might be able to guess who that would might be. Matthew 16, verse number 21. The Bible says from that time forth began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him began to rebuke him saying be it far from thee Lord this shall not be unto thee. Verse twenty-three. But he turned and said unto Peter, "Get thee behind me, Satan! Thou art an offence unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men." Read letters there in verse number twenty-three. Of Jesus' response to Peter speaks to him, Satan. says, thou art an offense unto me. For a little while, I want to minister this, and I'll be mindful of your time, but remember, if I'm short here, I'm long on Wednesday. Amen. I would like to minister this. Capital offense. Capital offense. Father, I love you, Jesus, right now, and I appreciate you. Thank you, Lord God, for strength and energy, Lord Jesus. God, these past few days, Lord, in this Lord God, busy time. But we come to the house of the Lord today. And we're thankful, Lord, for the word that has been divulged to us this morning. And I pray, God, that something could be spoken, perhaps tonight, that would find a resting place. And I the word be exalted above your name tonight, God, as it's recorded in Scripture. We'll give you the praise for it. Lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. I say amen. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Capital, capital offense. A couple years ago, I spent several weeks on Wednesday nights and did a series that some of you may recall, and if you don't, you're not going to hurt my feelings, called We Offend All. And the premise of that particular series was based out of James 3 and 2 where the Bible spoke that for in many things we offend all. And as we surveyed that for several weeks on Wednesday nights with a broad brush, we seen that James had painted a picture that could encircle each and every one of us whenever it come to being guilty of offending everyone around us at some time or in some way in our even Christian or non-Christian journey. As a matter of fact, James supported the idea that along this life's journey, we will play the role of both the offender and the offended several times, might I say. Not once, but we revisit it again and again. And so it highlighted, James did, the tragedy of offense, the tragedy of offense and how after offense has been and how it's taken place that there's great difficulty in repairing the offense. We spoke of the, the, the words of the Proverbs writer when he said that a brother offended is Harder to be one than a strong city that after an offense occurs, it's difficult to make amends. And we took several weeks, and I don't remember how many, but we took several weeks during that course of study to consider offenses that occur in our life. We looked at offenses that occurred between people, a person and a person. We considered uh, how people get offended at churches. People get offended at churches and people get offended at the word of God. And, and the reason why I preached about this morning, Brother Mason used the word offense this morning and it stuck in my heart about something that I had going on a long time ago. And so that's the reason why we're here today. So if, this is, if something happens, it's his fault. Amen. And so I talked about how people's offended at people. People can be offended at the church. People get offended at the word of God, which I think he alluded to somewhat this morning. People even get offended at God. People get offended at God. Amen. And in all this, also in the book of Matthew, there's a a portion of Scripture that Jesus calls. He calls a child to his side. And he does so for the purpose of illustrating an important lesson to his disciples. His disciples are bickering back and forth over who is the greatest in the kingdom. And to settle the score, Jesus calls a child to his side to illustrate what the greatest in the kingdom looks like, illustrating through the life of a child in Matthew 18. He tells his disciples, he said, you got to convert and become like this child. You got to become like this child in order to become, if you will, the greatest in the kingdom. He tells them that you must humble yourself as this child is humble and innocent, amen, in order to be the greatest in the kingdom. He goes on with his illustration and talks and with this child by him side, his side, as illustration, he says, anyone who receives this child in my name, they receive me. If you receive this child in my name, then you have received this child. But he says, whoever offends such a child that believes in me, and he goes straight to the punchline, he says, if you're gonna do that, it would be better that a millstone would be hung around your neck and that you would be thrown into the depths of the sea, drowning in the depths of the sea. But in reality, with this illustration, there was something that went unsaid in all of that. Because Jesus said, if you receive the child, then it is as though you would have received me. But he says if you offend the child, then he goes straight to the punchline. You don't, you don't want to do that because I believe what he's setting up for us, if he's doing the parallel here, you receive him, you'll receive me. If you offend him, then you will have offended me. And so it's a great, great, great thing to offend the child because in offending the child, you would be offending me. And he goes straight to the punchline. You don't want to do that. It would be better for you than offending me that a millstone would be placed around your neck and you would drown into the sea. And so what Christ illustrated just in that moment was this, is that it's possible for humanity and they're capable of offending Christ. That it's not just... People get offended at church and people get offended at the word and people get offended at God, but God can be offended by you. And God can be offended by us that I have the capability and ability to, with my actions, my deeds, and my life to offend the creator of the universe, to offend the one that has placed breath in my lungs and life inside of my body. I am capable of offending God. Bible states in Matthew 18 and verse 7, Brother Zach McGee, Matthew 18 and verse 7, he follows it up. Jesus does with these words, woe unto the world, Matthew 18, 7, woe unto the world. I'll be throwing some of those your way. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses come. Now this verse is spoken in the context of the ability of humanity offending the Lord. And the Lord says, woe unto the world and those that are in the world that we understand because of offenses. Woe unto the world that would offend their creator and offend the majesty of majesties. I know he says that they're going to come. No doubt he's alluding to, to a certain degree, the betrayal of Judas that was denoted as an offense. He says, but woe to the man by whom offenses come. He wasn't talking about offenses as per se a person or a church, but that God would be offended. The God incarnate, the God in flesh, woe unto the one by whom it comes. Now I tell you today, I believe as, as, as a standard that we as people, we try to refrain from offenses. I don't know anybody that just wants to get up and just offend a bunch of people, even more so in today's society. I believe to a certain degree, or at least I hope we do, I can't speak for everyone, but I believe hopefully to a certain degree we live cautiously in our lives and try not to offend people, but live peaceable and try not to uh, make people mad. But at times we, we have walked a very fine line, as Brother Mason spoke this morning, of political correctness even to avoid offenses in our society society and everyday world so that we are not ruffling feathers so to speak among our peers and we make provisions amen not, not not to ruffle feathers we we make provisions even I might say for our own personal acceptance in society among different classes of people that we might rub shoulders with each day in order for two reasons to present to prevent ourselves and them from feeling uncomfortable. We'll make certain allowances and provisions so that we don't offend them. And we do that because we don't want them to feel uncomfortable, but neither do we want to be uncomfortable. And in doing so, oftentimes we assume the role of the chameleon, changing with our environment so that we might not stand out too much or draw attention to any measure of distinction. Yet all the while, while we're safeguarding from offending so and so, such and such, that group, that part of society, have we ever considered by doing so, we may just be offending God? Huh? The old saying is when you're in Rome, do as Rome does. Uh, Whenever, you know, uh, people sometimes take the mentality that whenever they are in the world, they will subject themselves to the rules and regulations of the world because they don't want to offend anyone per se because we don't want to be uncomfortable and we don't want them to get uncomfortable. You know, whenever we're we're, we're at the game, we'll do whatever the game dictates because we're just going to go along. We don't want to offend people. We want to be very cautious and live our lives and not ruffle any feathers. But has anybody considered... That sometimes doing that, if it betrays the Word of God and betrays God, we are offending God. I stand with the apostles today that I would rather please God than I would man. If I can be perfectly clear tonight, there's not been another person that walked in shoe leather upon this earth that ever shed any blood for me, that ever died for me, that ever gave up life that I might have life today. So I'm here to tell you right now, if the offense is gonna be in any direction, it's not gonna be toward God. Someone say amen. I don't want to offend God. And so in Matthew 16, Jesus is sharing with his disciples. He says, I'm going to, I must go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer some things there. I'm going to be killed there. He says, I'm going to rise the third day there. And Peter, upon hearing all of this, disciple of the Lord upon hearing all of this Peter focuses and he hones in on the suffering of the flesh of Jesus Christ he hones in on ultimately how his flesh would die and he's all concerned about the suffering and him being killed as it were and he takes Jesus as it, as scripture seems to portray it he takes Jesus almost like he's taken him aside from the others and he begins to talk to him and the Bible states it very plainly amen that Peter speaks to him and basically rebukes the Lord rebukes the Lord for stating such for saying these things are going to befall him and folks that alone is quite a picture to be painted to think that a disciple of the Lord is chastising and rebuking Jesus Christ get a mental image of that Jesus is getting his rights read by a fisherman about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, what he allows and not allows in his person. He says, Lord, let this suffering, let it be far from you. Let this ultimate denial and sacrifice thing of your flesh, it shall not be. Peter was missing it. He honed in on the suffering. He honed in on the Lord being killed. I don't know, but he missed the raising the third day part. And Jesus tells Peter, his response to him is this. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. He calls him Satan. Not because Satan was in Peter at that time. Not because the person that was really standing there was Satan. But he calls Peter Satan because Satan basically means this, adversary. He was saying, get thee behind me, adversary. Peter, right now you are functioning in the role and the position of an adversary to me right now. And with the same breath, he states these words. Peter, adversary, you are an offense to me. Mortal man had at that moment become an offense to great God almighty Jesus Christ in the flesh the creation had offended the creator at that very moment and we ask ourselves the question how in the world can this be and Jesus told he told Peter why he was offended at him he told him about this injunction and this offense Jesus told him Peter all it takes to offend me all that it takes to offend God if you will is for you to savor oppose and cater to and be more mindful of the things of this world and the things of this life than you are the things of God. All it takes to offend the heavens is to cater to, love, and adore the things of this world more than you do the things of God. It's really quite simple. That is all it takes, I dare to say in the world that we live today and I know that's a common phrase but we're living in a society that God is offended. We're living in a society that God's feathers are ruffled because when he looks upon his creation and when he looks upon even his redeemed he sees a people that are savoring, amen, more mindful of the things of the world than they are of God prioritizing the things of the world more than they are of God folks the moment you do that the moment you cross that line you have offended God who cares about who who cares about the church you've offended God someone say amen that is a capital in my opinion a capital offense they say a capital offense is this by definition a crime such as a murder or betrayal of one's country that is treated so seriously that death may be considered as an appropriate punishment. See, in Jesus' high priestly prayer of John 17, the flesh praying to the spirit says, Lord, don't take them out of the world. But Lord, though they are in the world, they're not of the world. They're of another world. Another country, if you can say. Hallelujah. A country that is heavenly. A country that has the fingerprints of God on it. And when we love the things of the world, more than the things of that country, we've betrayed our own country. Someone say capital punishment. Because in reality, folks, of Romans chapter six and twenty-three, that we have been told from Sunday's co-up, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's the payment, that's the wage of sin, it's death. Sin, if you will, is serious enough that death should be considered for an appropriate punishment. Hallelujah. We're talking about a capital offense. And here's the whole story then concerning Jesus Christ of Galatians 1.4. Speaking of Jesus, Galatians 1.4 states these words, speaking of him, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of god our father why is god so upset that i did that why is god so upset that i went there Why is God so upset that I change my colors when I'm among certain people? That's not the church. Why is God so upset? I'll tell you why. Because God gave Jesus Christ for your sins that you might be delivered from the... He died so you could be delivered from the world, but you want to go back and chase after the world? That is an offense to God. That's an offense to God. You're telling me the thing that I remove from you is what you want to chase after. It's an offense. I give somebody a hundred dollars because they say they need it for a bill, but they go out, play a few ski, rolls of skee ball buy some booze and a packet of cigarettes. That's offensive to me. Why? Because the purpose of the $100 bill was not for the purpose in which it was used. The 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 cross and the death was so that he could deliver us from this present world not for a license to go back into this present world and continue in our sin, continue in our debauchery. That is an offense to God. Someone say amen. You can change it out. Thank you, hon. Amen. It's her birthday today. Give her a hand clap. Hallelujah. Amen. How how can we offend God? Tell you how we can offend God. Romans 8 and verse number 7 the Bible says because the carnal mind everybody say carnal mind yeah. carnal mind is enmity Just a, it's a fancy way of saying enemy, adversary for the carnal mind is enmity against God for it's not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be how, how can I offend God amen by having a carnal mind Amen, that's what Peter had at that moment. He wasn't mindful of the things of God. He was mindful of the things of the world. How how can I offend God? Well, James 4, 4 told us how we can offend God. He said, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship, everybody say friendship, friendship of the world is enmity with god whosoever there will be a friend of the world is the enemy of god how can i offend god you're a free, you're a free, you're an enemy of god or you can offend god whenever you are with friendship of the world. What are you talking about? You're more mindful of the world. You set your affections upon the world. What do you do in a friendship? In a friendship, you bow and bend according to the request of your friend. You make allowances and provision for them even when you don't have time. You'll answer their call when you'll answer nobody else's call because they're your friend. Whenever you make the world you're free and you'll make allowances for it provisions for it you invest your money there you'll answer its call when the call of God is crying and you're not turning your head and that offends God it's a capital offense someone say amen Offends God I, I, I want to share with you just a little tidbit of, of something that was said this just, just this weekend in the sermon this has nothing to do with it but it's just a little tidbit in there a man of God was preaching and he spoke of the story of Gehazi and Elisha and he spoke of how Gehazi was used at different times. You know, what do you perceive that this lady needs that was barren, but was a great woman that made a house for the man of God. He says, I believe she needs a child. And and so that was right and true. He'd rightly judged. And he had been used like that at different places along the way. And it came on a certain certain time that, that whenever Naaman was taking care of his leprosy of dipping seven times, Amen, into to the river that he approached Elisha, the man of God, and says, I got changes of garments, and I got gifts, and I got all this measure that I'll give to you for what the great God of heaven has done to my life. And Elisha says, No, we're not receiving any gifts. That's fine. Keep it to yourself. And as they leave, you know the story perhaps, the Bible says that Gehazi went and followed after Naaman. And whenever he's seen him come and he got off of his chariot, and went running toward him and he, he makes up this story. He says, Well, you know, my master, we had a few, few guests come and we need a few changes of garments and we need some of those things that you have. And he carries him back to the house where his master is and takes him into the house and, and Elisha asks him, You know, where, where have you been? Oh, I haven't been anywhere. I've been right here. He says, Know my heart went with you I know you've been somewhere and the Bible says that it was all unfolded and told how he received some of the stuff that Elisha denied and whenever he had did that the leprosy that had been on Naaman came upon Gehazi and the moral of the story was this is that Gehazi went after in his generation what Elisha had denied in his generation What offends God is that whenever we think we get a special license in our generation to go chasing things the generation before us was denied like there's new perk and privilege in our generation to do things that was wrong in the previous generation but it's okay now. We got a more revelation. More truth has come to us. No, no, no. A thousand times no. It's still an offense to the God. If it was offense to God in Abraham's day, in Isaac's day, in Jacob's day, in Moses' day, in the apostle Paul's day, it's still an offense to God in our day someone say yes that offended God that offended God it offended God that he would serve for years and years in the Old Testament time that he would serve as the king of his chosen nation the king of his people he would feed them when they need fat Water them when they needed water. He would make provision and cause times of deliverance whenever they needed deliverance. He would have people in, in line and he would bring deliverance off times through judges. And Samuel probably being numbered among some of the greatest of judges among them. But there came a time that the people of God that had had God as their king made a statement unto Samuel in 1 Samuel 8 and 20. And they said, Samuel, that we also may be like all the nations we don't want to offend anybody we want to be like every other nation around here <laughs> let's not concern ourselves with much distinction we want to fit in we want to be like all the nations that are around us and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles you know what the Lord's response was in 1 Samuel 12 12 he spoke about this after a time that they had chosen this he said you say you said unto me nay but a king shall reign over us he said whenever the Lord your God was your king he said you asked for a king when you already had a king but you wanted a worldly king rather than a heavenly king Folks, there's only one throne in your life as well. There's only one throne in your life as well. And who are you wanting to be your king? If you're mindful of more of a worldly king, let me tell you, that's all it takes to offend God. Someone say yes. That offends God. Am I right? It offends God when he delivers his people from Egypt and the bondage of Egypt and after a period of time all that they can keep talking about is Egypt in Numbers 11 they are eating on manna from heaven heavenly food Their lip and tongue had never touched the light. But all they can talk about is the onions and the leeks and the melons of Egypt. They've been brought out of Egypt. They've been given heavenly food. But they're maintaining a worldly appetite. They're crying and generations of them for 440 years, 430 years, deliver us, God. Get us out of here, God. Lord, we don't want to be under the taskmasters. We don't want to be under the bondage. Get us up out of here, God. We'll serve you. We'll worship you. And the moment he does, it's just mere days before they're talking about, you know what? I wish I had Egypt back. I wish I had everything that Egypt offered back. And God's given them heavenly food and heavenly manna. They're savoring, more mindful of their past more mindful of what Egypt had than what God was providing. Yes. That offended God. In so much the Bible says he brought quail from the waters to them because they were asking for meat. He granted their request. They got meat, they ate so much quail and meat till they vomited, it was coming through their nostrils. You want meat? I'll give you meat, amen. But there was something great that happened to the people. Many of them died, and this is the words of the Lord in Numbers eleven thirty four. The Bible says he called the name of that place where the dying was taken place, Kibroth Hattaavah, because there they buried the people that lusted. I'm burying the people that lusted right here. That lusted for what? For God. No, that lusted for Egypt again that desired the things of the world again their stop was right here they had heavenly manna that was being distributed to them and quelled from an unknown source according to them and they still savored the things that was back there folks let me tell you you've been given something very heavenly whenever you have started your life in relationship with God he's been placing things upon his platter before you time and time again don't you dare shake your head at that and say well what is this Lord this is kind of getting a little old this is just not really what I all intended it to be. Don't you dare start saying, you know what, I wish I could just go back a few years and live the life I used to. I wish I could go back a few years and go back to where I just did whatever I wanted to do. Yeah, you go on and look at all the glitter and look at all the gold, but don't you forget the nights you had your head in a toilet bowl. Don't you forget the times you was wondering about the fidelity of your marriage. Don't you... That offends God. Finn's gone Egypt had this kick from time to time in Isaiah 30 he spoke to them this is just paraphrase Lord spoke to them he says you know what's going on Israel he says you're asking you're asking advice for everyone from everyone but me And so you're asking advice from everyone but me. And as a result, you decided to do what I don't want you to do. If you want good counsel concerning the kingdom, for sure don't ask somebody outside the kingdom. You hear me? Don't ask somebody outside the kingdom for advice concerning the kingdom. Because when you do, you may get answers that are contrary. To the kingdom. And do then what he does not want you to do. And when you start that. You offend God. He said. Who they were counseling with. Here we are. They were counseling with Egypt. They were going there. Laden with treasures. Laden with silver. Laden with gold. To pay tribute to Egypt. For aid. For help. For counsel. For answers. You know what the Lord told them? You go down there with all your gold, all your silver, try to get counsel from Egypt. He basically told you this. This is going to be the outcome. Egypt will not give you anything. In other words, he said, Egypt's promises are worthless. They will not give you anything. Well, Pastor, trying to be be correct, trying not to ruffle feathers. I don't want anybody to be upset you know by my lifestyle and the way that I conduct myself and so just trying to blend in I don't, don't want anything to happen. My question are you doing that more for them or for you? Because clearly in scripture this is what I understand God intended that there would be some Distinct difference that would draw attention to his people. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4.9, the apostle states, he says for First Corinthians 4.9, he says, For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. Look now, for we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to me. That's what he says. He says, God has deemed this as so. Not so that nobody will know. Nobody will get their feathers ruffled. But so that I'll set my people forth as a spectacle that they will be noticed. That they are in the world. But they are not of the world. So Peter has a big problem. He's offended God. He has a big problem with God's suffering flesh, dying flesh thing. It's a problem. He missed the whole resurrected thing. He had a real problem with this dying flesh, crucifying flesh thing. Really did. And sometimes if you don't want to blur the lines, if if you don't want to ruffle the feathers or cause any offenses, you'll allow your flesh to die when everybody else allows their flesh to die. Someone hear me Just just walk with me here for a moment. You don't want to go too soon because see, then that may be if well, I can't, you know, wow, well, you know, bless God. You're so holy and righteous. It makes me feel like a worm. I don't want to do that to people. But listen, if you read the rest there in Matthew sixteen, after the Lord spoke to Peter, hey, you know what, you you're offending me by the way that you're conducting yourself right now. He then gave the call to the disciples again. Listen to me very well. He said, you guys got to take up your cross. You got to follow me. Now, listen, I have made this statement before, but the next few statements I have not made. Because, you know, whenever you take up your cross, whenever Jesus took up his cross, that was was an indication for anybody. When a cross is on the back, that is a precursor to crucifixion. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Remember, malefactor over here, malefactor over here, Jesus in the middle. holy, ungodly, done wrong, done wrong, had not done anything. But he's on the cross along with them. Listen to me. They're saying, we need to hasten the death of these. Got to get them down from the tree, which was abnormal, but nevertheless. So the soldier goes along. Malfactor, not dead yet. Break the bones of the legs so it can happen. Malfactor on the other side Not dead Break the bones of legs But when they come to Jesus When they come to Jesus He's already Dead You know how you know What you're savoring The things of the world Or the things Of heaven Is whenever you're the first to die On your cross When you are the one To allow your flesh To be the first to die Want to go before anybody you know I don't want to rough anybody I don't want anybody I don't I don't want to stand out here I don't want to go before anybody else goes I want to ride alone here and just be a no 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 as Christians when we savor the heavenly things we don't mind letting our flesh die before the world lets theirs die to do anything different would have been an offense toward God Stand with me tonight. (sighs) Capital offenses, and in the book of Jeremiah during the time of captivity, what really brought them to that. And I'll just read a couple more scriptures and I'll close. I know I've had enough scripture here, but that's good. Jeremiah six fifteen. The question comes. Bishop has preached from the scripture before. I remember it well. Said, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay. They were not all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall at the time that I visit them. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. There come a time in the life of the Israelites. That they did some abominations, things that was just totally contrary to the mind of God. But they didn't blush, their face didn't turn red, they weren't ashamed. Especially what it means. There was no shame that accompanied that. They had savored the things of the world so long. They had I don't care attitude. Until judgment had come through captivity we read a change of course then in ezra people returning home temple the altars being rebuilt this is the words of ezra 9 and 6 the bible says and said oh my god listen to him now i am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee oh my god For our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespasses growing up unto the heavens. What had happened? i tell you what had happened. There came an alteration in their life. They had savored the things of the world, didn't even have no shame or no blushing, but something had altered, something had changed. They had went from offending God to then not minding offending the world because, say, God, we're sinners. We're even embarrassed to raise our head because why because we know we've offended you with having affections and a mind and a heart set on the things of the world (sighs) folks we can be just as guilty of it today All you got to do is esteem something earthly above the heavenly in your life and you offend God. People do it. They do it. They're not at church because of this. That this is earthly. Church is the heavenly. Heavenly. Prayed today, but my favorite show's on. I'm going to watch it, and when it's done, it's so late I'm ready to go to bed. I esteem the earthly over the heavenly. I offended God. It's, those are just two episodes, but that's the how it happens. That's how it happens in life. Just, just choosing, just choosing the earthly. Listen. You don't have to make any apologies for what God has called you to. You don't have to make any apologies for not building the kingdom of Pharaoh anymore. You don't have to make any apologies. Eat the manna from heaven. Eat the quail from heaven. Watch the waters roll back. Watch water come from a flint stone that followed them. Take advantage of all of that. Don't be mindful of the earthly things because the spirit that he put inside of you, it's home, is not for earth. It's really prepared for the heavenly. It's just traveling right now in this abode here below. Hallelujah. If we can close our eyes in this place today, if there's been any capital offense, betraying of your country that God has called you to. betraying of the country that God has called you to. All it takes to offend Him and defend that country is for you to be more mindful of another country. More mindful of a world that you came from. More mindful of your past than you are your present and your future. More mindful of where life once was and having desires toward that and wishing you was back there and thinking, you know what, maybe I should just that, that offends God he died so you could be where you're at right now he died so that you would be delivered from the present evil world don't go chasing after it that's what he delivered you from don't go longing for that that's what he delivered you from that, imagine the offense that is toward God these altars are open tonight thank you for listening